Hello, everybody. Welcome to Only Stupid Answers. My name is DJ Woldridge, and today we are talking about Twin Peaks. Yes, we're talking about Twin Peaks, all right? I just finished the return. Lon Harris, if you're watching on the Patreon, he's showing off his Twin Peaks shirt, all right? Uh, my, the owls are not what they seem, folks. My, my special guest today is Lon Harris. I, dude, I said this before when we were on there, we were talking to the patrons. Thank you for coming on. I needed, after I finished it, I needed somebody to talk to. For the kids at home that are not familiar with you, uh, who are you? What do you do? Where can they find you? Oh, uh, I am I am Lon. I uh, I write uh, for Screen Junkies. I write uh, some of them honest trailers. I contribute to a bunch of other stuff on that channel. I do a show called Cram It that I write, where it's like, here's everything you need to know about the Fast and Furious movies. Quick, quick, quick. Uh, family. So that's, that's that's what you need to know about the Fast and Furious movies. Family. It's about family, Corona, and I think we mentioned like Lucas Blackstart in the third one. Everything you really need to know. Uh, all cadets. And so, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at L-O-N-S. Uh, and I also wanted to briefly say, as long as we're doing this right up top, uh, I have a new uh, podcast Twitch show that I'm starting with Hal Rudnick. Hell yeah. uh, it's called Binge Boys. We just did our first episode on Tuesday. That's going to be every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on Hal's Twitch. If you follow me at L-O-N-S... You can find out all about that and follow us there. We just talk about streaming TV shows and that sort of thing. Should I do one more plug or is this too many plugs? Do as many plugs as you want. One more plug. Yeah. I would love to also let people know I'm, I'm helping out uh, my good friend Video Drew from the Schmodown, Drew Grant, on her show. It's Sunday nights. It's called Live in the Dark with Video Drew. It's basically like what if you did Space Ghost but today and on Twitch. Uh-huh. Uh, and our guest this week is Kale Anonymous, my good friend from the, the Machinima days. I'm sure you know Kale as well. Yes. Uh, great, funny guy. He's going to stop by. Going to be a good show. That's Sunday night at 9 p.m. Twitch. Or, uh, that's on YouTube, on Video Drew's YouTube channel. That's so, all my plugs. That's all the plugs. So, so for that's Binge it. Boys, nothing did, left you, to plug. did you guys like binge a specific thing for your first episode? Or are you just talking about what, what's out there to binge? No, I, I write a, a one of my other gigs is I write a newsletter about streaming TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watch a lot of random shows. Like even if I don't get through the whole thing, I watch like three to five episodes of a bunch of stuff that comes out just so I always know like kind of what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's really me going through the exhaustive list of everything I streamed that week that I checked out so that like maybe I can save you some time going through raised by wolves on HBO max <laughs> that you could use for uh, something else. And you know, Hal is kind of there both because he's also streaming a lot of stuff. Like we had a really good deep dive on the vow uh, this week, which I've been really enjoying that Nexium docuseries. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Watching this. Oh, I, I know of it. I've not checked it out yet. I love, I love a good cult docuseries. I'm so into that. I'm fascinated. I love a good cult. Give me a good cult. So I don't know what I It's a weird, I'm fully admit it's a weird thing with me that I'm just fascinated. Like I'm not, I'm not like, I never want to join a cult. I'm not a particularly like religious or spiritual guy. I'm just fascinated. And like wild, wild country was like extremely my shit. Yeah. And uh, I love that heaven's gate podcast that came out like two years ago. I'm just fascinated. So this is totally scratching my, like, I want to hear about the weird, crazy stuff you guys believe. 
I, I always uh, so like. No, so we, you know, so we we talk about all that all that kind of stuff. Basically, whatever we stream that week. Now, before we go any further, I'd like to let the listeners at home know that this episode has been edited for time. Lon and I had an amazing long discussion that include what we were into this week and all of that stuff. If you want to check out that full conversation, you can do that at Patreon.com/slash Only Stupid Answers for just five bucks a month. It's like a little over a buck a week. You can check out the full unedited discussion of this podcast in previous episodes plus be a part of our amazing community and support this show and help keep the lights on so please take a second and go to patreon.com slash only stupid answers and check that out but now let's return to the show and discuss twin peaks <laughs> so, just a little topic for a Friday afternoon. Just, just a little uh, topic. So. Well, yeah. because as we were talking about before we went on the air, we were talking about a little bit with the patrons and everything. I just recently finished, and I've mentioned this on previous episodes, I just finished uh, Twin Peaks The Return, uh, mm-hmm. two to three years late, uh, and I needed to talk about it. And thankfully, you sure. were willing to come on and talk about it with me. For the audience uh, that is not familiar with it, which I'm actually going to guess is a majority of my audience, uh, yeah. Twin Peaks was created in 1990 by David Lynch and Mark Frost. Uh, it ended only after two seasons but it like changed the tv landscape like shows like lost are influenced by atlanta is influenced by twin peaks you know um and uh it was followed by a movie uh titled firewalk with me in 1992 which was not well received and then twin peaks went away (laughs) until (laughs) roughly 25 years later and it came back on showtime which is roughly where we are now but lon what is what has been your history with twin peaks when did you first watch it and how did you discover it I was like, oh, I was old enough to be aware that when it was on TV, there was this show called Twin Peaks and there was jazz music in it and it was mm-hmm. real weird. Like there would be Simpsons jokes about it and there would be other cultural references. So I knew what it was, but I was still too young. David Lynch didn't mean anything to me at that age. Yeah. And I, I, I wouldn't have gotten it or liked it. I would have gotten bored with it right away. So it wasn't until many years later after I got into David Lynch as a filmmaker that I went back and checked out Twin Peaks. Like, I think it would have been probably the late 90s and early aughts when I was in like college and a little after I saw Mulholland Drive. I went yeah. back and saw Blue Velvet. Uh, Blue and that Velvet. would have been when I was like, oh, I, yeah, and like Elephant Man. And that would have been like, whoa, I like this guy, David Lynch. I'm going to watch more of his stuff. And that was when I was like, I should go back and check out that old TV show, which was a lot harder to do back then. You had mm-hmm. to try to like find it on DVD or something. There wasn't just like, Bloop, 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 pull it up on your streaming service of choice. But I did I did track it down and watch it then. And then I, I watched Firewalk with me right after and I became a, a, a fan. So when I knew the Showtime series was coming on, I rewatched the series and Firewalk with me to sort of prep myself. And then I've since gone back and rewatched the whole thing one more time since the return went off the air. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty well versed at this point, although I still don't like get it. Like, exactly. Get it. I started watching, there was a video that like twin peaks actually explained it was like four hours and I got about 10 minutes and I was like, nah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> but again, it's sort of like, you're not, I think we were saying this maybe just to the patrons. Uh, yeah. you're not supposed, I don't think that twin peaks is designed to be like a box that's just jumbled and you're supposed to like lay it all out on a blanket and organize it and be like, that's twin peaks. Like yeah. part of the idea is definitely that there it's like a bunch of interlocking mysteries that never quite get solved, like yeah. almost tantalizingly close in some cases, but the overall mythology and, and like timeline is, is always sort of murky and obscured. We're never quite getting enough information to put it all together, you know, just like just like a dream or just like yeah. a mystery in the real world. I think that's kind of what Lynch is doing is like 
you never totally understand what your dreams were about. There's always an element of mystery and confusion. Like you're, you're, that's not how your conscious mind works. Like your yeah. subconscious holds on to stuff and doesn't let you know what it is. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's a really effective, uh, at least for him, I think it's a really effective mode of storytelling because it, it does allow you like a dream. You can kind of bring yourself to it. Uh, Caitlin Conway says in the chat, the first time I watched Twin Peaks was when I was in college and we watched it on Netflix when we, uh, when they actually mailed you DVDs. Um, yeah. Nice. So I watched it uh, when you could just bring it up on Netflix. I think it might have been on the lead up to when the show was coming out. Because, again, I'd heard about it. I'd seen Eraserhead. I'd seen Blue Velvet. Um, and I kind of knew the the trajectory of the show. I knew that, like, everybody loved season one. Season two was good for about a half of it. And then they, quote, unquote, revealed the mystery. And it went off the rails. And so I was like, we'll see. And then I got to when they revealed the mystery, which I got to say, the in the mystery being who killed Laura Palmer, that's what motivates the whole thing. When you actually get to the reveal and the resolution of that, it's one of the most harrowing things. I, like, I was genuinely stunned that it had ever been on TV. Like, this was on TV when I was a yeah. kid? Like, blew it's my mind. I mean, it's it's legitimately... it's it's And it's not just shocking because of what happened, which is shocking. Yeah. But again, like, Lynch brings this nightmarish quality to it. So even when you comprehend what the story is, there is still this lingering, like but what exactly happened? And like, it's still like, you'll never really understand everything that went into what like Laura Palmer's trauma. Like there's always layers of unspoken trauma that we can't even pierce as viewers. Uh, And that's kind of what Lynch sort of brings to it. That makes it, yeah, extremely harrowing and and upsetting. I mean, in a lot of ways it's weird because Twin Peaks is sort of one of his funnier (laughs) projects that has a lot of like campy, humor to it but also almost inarguably his darkest project ever that really brings a lot of the themes of like the like the capacity of humans for evil and the evil lurking under even pleasant seeming small towns and suburban neighborhoods like it's never been more like vivid and visceral than in Twin Peaks yeah absolutely and uh, so I kind of I did feel the quality of the show dip after that reveal and which by the way we're going to get into full spoilers on the show the 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 final season of the show has been out for like three years we're just going to get into it Um, but when I went to go back to watch the return I watched the final episode of season two which was mesmerizing and you talk about funny there is a sequence that you, you could just take out of that movie movie and it would work as its own farcical comedic it's a sequence at the bank where audrey like chains herself oh, up at the bank my God. you could just take Incredible. that out of it and be a great short it would be a hilarious short film uh, there's also the one uh and it's the i believe it's the season two opener where cooper is shot and the bellhop at the hotel keeps checking in on him but not actually helping him that mm-hmm. is again it's like a size like a laurel and hardy premise and he just nails it it's hilarious in the midst of what would normally be this incredibly intense moment where the main character of your show is like bleeding out yeah and that's just like lynch is able to do that like balance and mix all of this stuff at once it's really crazy and then so then i watched uh firewalk with me which i knew had like not the greatest reception but what i liked and, and for those that don't know i think a lot of the pushback from what i understand is because it's technically a prequel but when I was watching it's it, sort of both. It's like it a is both. Because the part that stood out to me was there's a sequence we're seeing Laura Palmer's like descent right before her murder, uh, but then she starts having visions and, that specific of characters that she has not met in the show. 
uh, specifically of Cooper. And they, she's told that like, cause season two ends with Cooper in another dimension, the red room, uh, the black lodge, uh, right. that situation. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah the whole show kind of turns on that. Like the idea of getting trapped in the black lodge or and entities coming out of the black lodge and yeah. like, where is the black lodge really? And what is the nature of it? And how do you access it? Like, so much of the mystery of the show kind of ends up revolving around that as a location yeah. and a and a state of being. Well, and that was my interpretation of Firewalk With Me. We're not seeing what happened to Laura Palmer. We're seeing what Cooper sees in the Black Lodge about what happened. That's It's all from his perspective. That was like, and, and once yeah. that clicked for me, I still wouldn't necessarily recommend it because it is a harrowing movie. Like it's, yeah, it's really scary and upsetting again, mm -hmm. but also, uh, so I feel like a lot of people watched the return after watching the old show, but not firewalk, which you need to watch firewalk with me. Absolutely essential. I actually think the, the, the return references firewalk with me about as much as the original show. Like they're equally important. Yeah. Uh, there's so much that's introduced in firewalk with me that you need to know, before you can watch the return that you absolutely have to include it. It's not an option. And so I, a lot of the consensus is that the, the show that, that they should have never solved the mystery of Laura Palmer. And then that's when the show dropped off. But I got to say, I think once they resolved that mystery, even though the quality did drop off because kind of Lynch bailed, Right. That, I think that opened up the show to the grander mystery, like you're talking about with the Black Lodge and Bob and what he represents. Yeah, uh, I think I think part of it is like I think Lynch was probably right that it was too early to reveal, and like the show could have continued on that path for a lot longer. But he's also he's so good at coming back later and like reworking and retconning his own ideas to do something new that it's almost like unfair to. Like, we hold that against him. Like, oh, no, he was wrong. You could have revealed the you killed Laura Palmer and then move on. But it's like, no, no, that's just because Mulholland Drive is the same. You know the story behind that one. I don't, actually. And I haven't seen the, Mulholland Drive. Oh, my God. So good. Yeah. But anyway, the first hour or so of Mulholland Drive was shot to be a pilot that was actually originally conceived as a Twin Peaks spinoff. It was going to be Audrey Horn's Adventures in Los Angeles was the oh, original shit. original Mulholland Drive concept. Then ABC built on that, so we put new characters in it. But that was the original concept behind the movie. And then the, the pilot didn't get picked up and never made it to air. So he was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to add another hour to it to make the first hour make sense and we'll turn it into a movie and it is amazing like he yeah. pulls it off seamlessly where it seems like this was always what it was supposed to be even though a lot of the stuff you were seeing was even shot for this other project that's crazy uh, yeah no and he's just like but that's just david lynch like he just the ideas are malleable enough and the ideas are everything's interconnected enough that he can just take these elements and like pull it into something new and make it all piece together and it's, it's it's incredible so let's dive into the return a little bit sure. uh because uh <laughs> i the first couple episodes left and a crazy impression uh there, there's a line in the last episode of season two we're in the uh, black lodge laura laura spirit whatever whatever it is says that she'll see dale in 25 years 25 years later we get the return uh he's been possessed by this evil entity known as bob this whole time um, and then on his way back into our world, I think you could argue that that is the, what the return represents is Dale Cooper's return to our world. Uh, he gets stuck in another form of Dougie Jones. And I was like, all right, this is a pretty funny bit for an episode, but hopefully they'll resolve it in like a couple. 
And it's like that's the bulk of that's the bulk of Dale Cooper's involvement in the yeah. show is being well, trapped as Dougie Jones. And I got maybe it was Stockholm syndrome. By the end, I was like, you know what, this works. I'm into it. No, I think you, you like so much of it. And I mean, you go right to the title, Twin Peaks. Like so much of the show is about that like duality and yeah. like two. You know, there's the 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 light and the dark, or like the white. There's a white lodge and a black lodge. Yeah. You know, and like and. uh and I think that that's so like you you have evil like when when Cooper comes back from the from the Black Lodge he's really divided in two there's there's the evil Cooper dirty Cooper as they called him yeah who's like this this thug criminal just like a brutal uh, like a bad a very bad man yes and Dougie Jones who's like goodness personified <laughs> and, and a simpleton and an innocent and not only that but I think it's really important to know is like brings out goodness and cheer from everyone he encounters that's a great point he's he's a force for good in the world whereas dirty cooper is a force for evil and i think that's kind of what uh lynch is getting at is that you know there's there's like these two these dual natures these two sides to all of us and to kind of everything in the world and uh yeah i think that's kind of so so crucial to the whole vision of twin peaks and all of the ideas is that it's about, you know, like the depths of depravity and evil that people can do. But also there's always good people, too. And there's yeah. always light. And it's never just bleak. Yeah. It's always like this balance back and forth. I think what kind of surprised me the most with Dark Coop, and you see it right at the beginning of the episode, is how adept David, because he filmed every episode of uh, Twin Peaks The Return, is how adept he is at, at action sequences. Like there'd be scenes where like Dark Coop would just like tear up, and I was like, I didn't, I didn't know David Lynch had this in him. Like this was not something I expected from this filmmaker. Yeah, that, that, I think that gets. I think a lot of people kind of do the same, like the modern art argument, where it's like, well, it, it doesn't make sense, and it's just supposed to be weird in a dream. Like anybody could do it. And it's like, no, no, he's he could totally like he's done the straight story and the yeah. Elephant Man. Like he could put all the weirdness away. And like I've often thought it would be fun. Like I wouldn't say he should take time out to do this necessarily, but like, it would be fun to just see him do like a horror movie, like not yeah. a David Lynch horror movie, but just like a conjuring style <laughs> horror movie, just because he's got these incredible tools and this skill set to make things really scary and build tension. Like he just absolutely is, he's a master at that sort of stuff. He just applies it to these very strange oddball, very personal projects but yeah. like yeah i totally believe based on the work he did in twin peaks the return like he could totally just make a thriller or an action movie or a horror movie or a comedy and they'd all probably have a chance of being good it's hard to like unpack oh, yeah. all all of the things but like well yeah where do you even where do you even begin i mean it's like because it, return is doing so much too it's it's a reunion so yeah. it's like let's go back and catch up with all the characters that we love and it carries on and expands the mythology in these massive ways and it's like the cooper story and cooper and diane and laura palmer and like yeah following their whole thread it's like it, it, and, and then you get episode eight yes which is like the origin story for all of the mythology which, and it's like yeah all in one that was another thing that genuinely surprised me was the, even though it withholds a lot i never expect not so much never expected something episode eight for the audacity of the narrative within this tv show but i never expected that many answers to like, hey, this yeah. is basically where Bob comes from. This is, you know, going back to like the earliest nuclear bomb uh, tests and kind well, of that, that 
in particular, I mean, that really changes the whole nature of what he's sort of saying with Twin Peaks in an interesting way. Like the whole original series and then even Firewalk with me, it's sort of like the the evil comes from somewhere else. Like the, the, literally the, 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 the guy in the red room, like the dancing man, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Anderson, he's the man from another place. And he's yeah. always talking about like where I come from, the birds sing a pretty song and the, you know, the air is filled with music. Uh, but then episode eight is like, no, no, Bob comes from nuclear tests that humans did. Yeah, like it he's comes our from us. fault. It's yeah. not, this is not a space demon. This is not King Ghidra mm-hmm. coming down from the stars to upset our natural order. We did this to ourselves. And yeah. like, if you think about that in terms of the twist from the original show and like Bob infecting Leland Palmer, yeah. uh, it's not a well demon. He got a he got an evil demon inside, and what can you do? It's like no, no. It's it's a, it's it's humanity's own capability yeah. of destruction and 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 violence. Like we're doing this completely to ourselves. This is not an outside. And like wow, that is that is heavy, Dave. Man, yeah. that is a that is a lot to put on us in like your reunion uh, anniversary special. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting too. And I think especially with Firewalk With Me, they do a good job of blurring that line. It's like, yes, it's Bob, but it's also Leland. You know what I mean? Like right. it's yes, it, that, exactly. that line is blurred. And I also like in that episode, I think that may be our first tease that like, hey, we'll give you answers, but don't expect like to necessarily understand because that episode ends with uh, – one of these creatures, whether it's Bob or something else from this, crawling into a girl, and that's never resolved. We never, we never, we just, the assumption is this somehow eventually connects to Bob and yeah. Sarah Palmer, a, a very, and that's all you need right. to know. A very popular fan theory was that was young Sarah Palmer, and that's how Laura, that's how like the Palmers became the line, the family line that was going to be. But I don't, I don't know if you necessarily need to believe that. I think that's again, a little bit of like, let me see if I can take everything out of the picnic basket and put it in the perfect order and make it all make sense. Like I think maybe it's like the timeline roughly works out. Like that could have been young Grace Zabriskie, the actress who plays Sarah Palmer, but I, he's not, he's purposefully not putting that fine a point on it. You know, like it's somebody and that's how Bob got into our realm and that's but all you need to know. That, yeah. yeah, who knows? That's all you need to know. And going back to your point with uh, uh, Lynch making these decisions and being able to do what would be maybe a more more standard film, uh, there's these moments. I, I think with I think they're called the Lumbermen when they like resurrect Dark yeah, Coop and stuff like that. Light, yeah, yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. moments where there's effects that just straight up look bad. They look oh, yeah. cheesy. But then there's moments where I think about when. Um, uh, Audrey's son, who's probably he's the son of Dark Coop and everything. When he disintegrates, it looks incredible, and it's like, oh, so that's a choice. It's not that you're like, oh, yeah. ah, we're just gonna fuck around, like whatever. It doesn't matter. It's like, no, you're making a choice to have something look yeah. what would be traditionally bad. It's supposed to look bad. Yeah, there's a lot of like internet stuff where it's like, I've gone through and cleaned up the effects from this episode of Twin Peaks. It's like, do you guys really think that David Lynch, this like elder statesman of modern cinema, like one of the most respected filmmakers in America with all of the resources of Viacom behind him just like didn't know that those effects didn't look like MCU effects. Like, is that what you think? Like he can't tell Mm -hmm. like, no, it's 
it's obviously everything he's doing is purposeful. Just assume it's purposeful. Think about why instead of like trying to feel superior to it mm-hmm. would be would be my advice. But this also kind of leads me to a thing I was sort of teasing a little bit before. Uh, I feel like the original series Twin Peaks is kind of mocking the popular TV shows of its era, like especially like primetime soaps, yeah. like a Dallas or a dynasty kind of thing. There's even like that soap opera that exists within the world of Twin Peaks that those characters are watching yeah. and like the score swelling at moments and like all the high school romance storylines. Um, and I think that in that same way, the return is making fun of the TV shows of its era, like yeah. prestige TV and like the modern limited series and that kind of stuff. So I think part of the look is also designed to reference that and like make a little poke holes a little bit in how so much of TV has become effects and spectacle yeah. as opposed to what it used to be, which was a bunch of people in a room uh, saying dialogue because that's all they could afford to do. Exactly. Exactly. And it, let's go back to, we talked a little bit about Sarah Palmer. One of the major mysteries is something is going on with Sarah Palmer. Uh, uh, things are not going great for her. Right. Uh, yes. she, the, this, there's the scene where she takes her face off and murders a guy in a bar. Right. It's like static behind it. Yeah. 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 A- and, my takeaway, and I want to know, know yours, my takeaway from that is that there's a lot of talk of, of Judy, who is apparently an even more malevolent entity behind Bob. And yes, I'm, I believe in the mythology, Judy is like the main demonic evil force, and Bob is like a henchman or under the control of Judy. There is a theory that I was reading about today Um He's featured in the original Twin Peaks and heavily in Firewalk with me. There is Mrs. Tremond, the the old woman. Uh, Donna goes to see her when she's looking for her friend, the shut-in. Okay. Uh, and there's it's an old lady named Catherine Tremond, and she's got a grandson who kind of looks like David Lynch. Do you remember these characters? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're also in the like convenience store scene from Firewalk with me, where it's like that party with all of the entities and they're eating Garmin Bosia. Yeah. Uh, that boy, a lot of Twin Peaks fans online believe, may be the personification of Judy. Interesting. And Judy's, and Judy's also mentioned by Philip Jeffries, the David Bowie character in uh, Firewalk with me, where he comes to the office like, I'm not going to talk about Judy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was surprised that David Bowie was not in more of that movie when I watched Firewalk with me because I knew he was in think, it. You would think if you get David Bowie and he's going to do like a ludicrous Texas accent that you would use him more, but it's perfect because you never forget Philip Jeffries. How are you going <laughs> to? He's a he's an important character, especially in the Return. He becomes a very important yes. character. Where now he's a teapot because you couldn't get David Bowie, which sucks. Uh, it's, it's a real bummer. It was a real bummer that it's like, ah, oh, this was the moment. I wish we could have got him back. Yeah, it would have been great to see David Bowie, but sadly, no longer with us. So we use this effect in, in his stead. But um, yeah, I think it, it's perfectly used because it makes him instantly memorable. That it, well, it is David Bowie. Yeah, and so my interpretation of the return is that 
Sarah Palmer is possessed by Judy, especially once. uh, And I also assume that the entity, whatever the fuck that entity is in the glass case in the first episode is also Judy. Uh, There's a couple shots when we're in there's this other, I think it's part of the black lodge where Bob goes. We see this thing coming down the stairs. That's face in long gates. I also assume that's Judy, but I think that that Sarah Palmer is Judy because when um, Cooper goes back to save her, what and save Laura Palmer, what ends up like, the scene we cut to that is right before that all kind of goes up in smoke is Sarah Palmer stabbing a picture of Laura Palmer. And so, and, and I get, again, this is, this is me doing what you're talking about where I'm like trying to at least some of the pieces like, well, I think yeah, these I fit. Mean, I mean, I think that it's undeniable that the Palmer house has become tainted or infected or in some way is like merging with this other dimension, this evil dimension. She's in some sort of a time loop that we see like yeah. the TV repeating and she's doing the same things over and over again. And she's like kind of, so I, I think you could read that as like a meta metaphorical, like alcoholism and despair and depression. Yeah. But I also think that if, in, in mytho- mythologically, somehow that house is now like kind of a mini black lodge. Uh, Cause that's also the black lodge. It's like time sort of loses meaning things repeat. You leave one room and then you come right back into the same room. It's like yeah. this Mobius strip. And I think that they're sort of doing that too, which ties directly into the very end of the return yeah. when uh, Cooper and Laura Palmer now like have slipped into yet another version of reality Again, you get a Tremon, like they go to the, the door and now the Palmers don't live there. Nah. The Mrs. Tremon lives there. So again, tying it into that character. Yeah. Um, and then Laura screams like suddenly the realities converge and she sort of recognizes the house and what happened to her there. Um, so, yeah, I think that that to me, it's whether or not it's Judy specifically who's there. I don't think we have enough information. Like, I think you probably right or you may be right i don't think we have enough information to know but i do think we have enough information to know that yeah the palmer house has now become another one of these areas where like the worlds are sort of converging like that spot in the woods yeah where you can sort of walk through reality and into the black lodge uh i gotta say i don't know if there's a more bone chilling scream in tvs or movies than that that laura palmer that like that scream yeah and it's it's just it's also like i mean the show because it's called the return and it is a real you do you do expect things to wrap up and so much of the theme about what he's doing is like you really can't ever go back like like cooper's been investigating this since the pilot yeah and he's never gonna solve it he he can't that it's sort of the same idea of like we can't ever reveal who killed laura palmer but just on this next level like you can't put all of these pieces back together. Like humanity is inherently destructive. We blow things up and we do it in a way that it's like, well, now the pieces are spread out and you can't ever reassemble them. And I think that's, there's that, there's that, even if it does come back, because he's hinted that, you know, both Lynch and Frost have said they have more ideas and maybe it'll continue one day, but I don't think we'll ever get away from that really sickening feeling of finality that like, well, Cooper and Laura Palmer are now they're in this other dimension there probably isn't a way to ever get back. Like they're just here now. And even if they did try to get back, well, they would just end up somewhere else, you know, like you can go into the purple ocean or you can go on top of the house in space or you can go inside, you Mm -hmm. can go to this room, but you can't get back to the life that you originally left. It's gone. That's gone forever. That reality is over. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Especially since the episode before kind of has a definitive ending with Bob and all of that stuff. Right. That I thought like, okay, like, I, and I, I'd heard articles that like there never needs to be another episode of Twin Peaks. I'm like, okay, so we're going to end in a, in, in a relatively cathartic place. And so that, it, and, and I play, I don't know if you do this. I play a little game with myself that like when a show or a movie does like a dramatic cut to black, like after something terrible happens I, and I'm like, roll mm-hmm. credits, like as a joke to myself, like what if the movie ended there? And this did it. It was like the uh, uh, Laura screams and I'm like, roll credits. And then the credits actually rolled. I'm like, are you fucking shitting me? Like that's, that's honestly the ending of all of Twin Peaks. But as I sat on it, you talking about David Lynch and his use of dream logic and, and the way I like to explain it, like when I was talking to my wife about it, it's like, it's like when you're in a dream and you're talking to a guy and he's your dad, but he's not your dad and he wants to kill you, but you don't know why. Like that feel, like that like ephemeral yeah. feeling. Most nightmares and a lot of dreams will have, there's that moment where your subconscious, like you're at your limit and that's when you wake up. Like you've hit the thing that like, I can't, I got to get out of this thing. Yeah. And to me, that ending captures that feeling of he's gone to the house, but it's not the same house. And he asks himself, what year is it? And it's like, if this was a dream, that's the moment you, your subconscious, like, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm out and you wake up. And so that in, in a way that is kind of the perfect way to end this show. Cause that's the moment you wake up from the dream. Yeah. The spell is broken. And now we even in the audience are waking up to reality from being in twin peaks. Yes. Uh, Yeah. And I mean, I think that, right. Like that's kind of what I'm saying. Like all this whole time, like I think Lynch Lynch's mind does kind of work on that level. And once you get to that point, it's like, that's, that's it. That is the explanation. Like, sure. You could, you could go on Reddit's r slash twin peaks community and people are picking out all of these obscure little clues. What about this? What about that? And it's fascinating. I like to do that stuff too. But on a certain level, I think this is the level of understanding you need to get to. It's like, no, it's like waking up from a dream. It's like, yeah, when you even when you first wake up from a really immersive dream, you do have that moment of like, what was real? What did I just imagine? What what day is it? What time is it? What do I need to do today? And I think that, yeah, like a lot of that final sequence where they're in this new world is kind of that like getting to know an, a world that is familiar and yet also unfamiliar at the same time. I will say, uh, again, just trying to lay out some things. Uh, I do have a theory that when um, Coop and Diane go into this new world, I actually think once that happens, we follow two, we follow R. Cooper and another version of Dark Coop. Like the, the very surreal sex scene between Diane yes. and Cooper Right. Before that, the Diane in a car sees another Diane, which I think is the the Diane we the the quote unquote real Diane, and and then when after that sex scene, Cooper wakes up in a hotel, a completely different hotel room in a completely different yeah. hotel. I think that's our Coop that transported over, and then, then yeah. there's a diner scene where like Cooper starts fighting people, and it looks like Dark Coop, and so I think. Because that tripped me out too in the ending. I was like, wait, which Cooper am I watching? And I think that was kind right. of like an intentional, like, oh, I think it mudding de- of the water definitely is. I mean, it's just like kind of like what we were saying about Lost Highway. Again, I think it's engaging that, like, it's a it's a terrifying feeling that taps into something deep in our all of our subconscious that, like, 
the worrying about identity and losing your identity or forgetting your identity or if you lose your memories, does that mean you lose your identity? And what, how much of you is physical versus mental versus something spiritual we don't even understand? And like, you know, like all, all of those kinds of questions of consciousness, I think, are very like deep for, for all humans and existential. And I think that, yeah, he's just kind of tapping into that terror in some ways, to, which does make the show more otherworldly yeah. and, and scary. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that whenever, like, to me, a, a big thing about The Return especially, but but sort of all of Twin Peaks is like interacting with this other world. Like anytime you even dip a toe into looking for the Black Lodger, meeting an entity from the Black Lodger, anytime you're even in conversation with these ideas, you're getting like a little bit of it on you. Mm-hmm. You're getting like a little, I've been using like the terms like infected or tainted. Cause I do think that's kind of what it's like. Like the more time you spend interacting with this world, the more it begins to like consume you and overtake you. And the more fractured and confusing your life becomes and the more you start to slip between these worlds. So I think, yeah, by the last episode of the return, like, is there an original Diane? Is there yeah. an original Cooper? Or are they all like refracted, versions of the last Cooper that have now been polluted by all of this other stuff and these entities and these other versions of themselves. And like, would it even be possible to define like, this is the original Dale Cooper who arrived in Twin Peaks. This is the evil Cooper. This is Dougie Jones. This is the new older Dale Cooper. Like they're all overlapping by the end i think yeah and it's it's something i really like about the way they do the black lodge sequences and like the reverse speak and all that like you and i watch a lot of genre shows and there's always that like uh, plot driven mechanism where somebody will know something like a, a supernatural entity or something or prophecy and it for some reason it cannot generate a straight answer to tell our heroes the information that they need so they can just do the thing and it's always like well why and i like in twin peaks because you're communicating with something so far beyond the human experience, it it does it does not have the mechanism that it can just straight up relate information to you because right. it's not you. So that's the whole. That's what and and I think nobody's captured that as well as David Lynch with the reverse speak and the way those scenes play out. It's like oh, it's trying. You know what I mean? Like the dancing right. man and the giant. They're they're trying. It's just the they speak a different language. Yeah, and I mean, I think that, like, sort of like what we were saying, like, there are, there is precedent for people who were human becoming those entities, like Mike, the the one-armed man. Yeah. He was a person, uh, and you, you know, like, he started doing these crimes with Bob, and he disappeared into the lodge, and now he's a permanent resident, and he's an entity, and it's like, so yeah, like, it's not like he doesn't want to help. Where yeah. he's not trying to communicate with Cooper or the giant is another good example of like a friendly entity who wants to do good. But like, yeah, it, it's it's a little bit like the like a rival, like mm-hmm. you're you're sort of desperately trying to come up with a way to interact with this being that is not able to really directly communicate anything to you and it's you're right so it's not like most like most TV show dream sequences is like I need this character to come to a realization, mm-hmm. but more fun and visual than just having them walk around and go, oh, yeah, we need yeah, to yeah. have them dream about it. And then I get to break the rules and do weird fantasy stuff. And I mean, like, I love The Sopranos, but even The Sopranos does that, where it's like, yeah. oh, I'm upset about having to kill my friend, so I'm going to dream that I'm on the boardwalk thinking about killing my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Spoiler alert for season two of Sopranos. But, um, <laughs> go check out that show. Uh, but yeah, Everybody- like, I think... 
Lynch is doing it in this much more sort of compelling way where he's really thought out the creation of this dreamscape that does exist. I mean, it's a real place. Dale goes there for 25 years. It's, yeah. It exists. Uh, it's just maybe not in our reality or realm or whatever. So before we wrap up here, we do have a couple questions from the Discord. Uh, we got one here from Brenda. I want to know what you think about season, what you think season three uh, would have gone if it had kept going in the nineties. I love what we got, but the existing season three. But I can't help but think uh. of all the possibilities if the show had continued. If it hadn't been canceled and it had continued, I, I mean, it yeah, would. I mean, they would have been like, stuck I, for twenty five love- years. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, right. I, I no, I mean, I think you would have had, had like McLaughlin would still be in it because he'd be playing Cooper, inhabited by Bob, who's now doing his own evil stuff in Twin Peaks. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I, I feel like we probably would have developed like Cooper as Bob would have probably started some new relationships that we would have followed. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly disappointed by. The fact that we didn't get to continue like the Horn family saga because we do get to see them again. Uh, Audrey's in this very weird plot line in season three where maybe she's in like a mental asylum or she's also trapped in a variation of the Black Lodge or or something. She always wants to go to the roadhouse, but never seems to be able to get there. Uh, She has a son, but she never we never see her act with the son. Right. Yeah. I would have I would have really loved uh, to see, like, did she get blown up in the bank or like, where are we going to take that? Like, she was such a great character. I feel like it's a shame that we never got to, like, carry carry that forward. But uh, I, I honestly feel like what we got from Showtime was probably better than a third season would have been. Yeah. I mean, you never know with Lynch. Maybe he would have come up with something next level genius. But uh yeah, but without the limitations of being on a network and with the freedom provided by Showtime and updating it for modern effects and being able to get like it's so it's just it's just really touching and meaningful in some cases just to get these actors yeah back for one more go around. I oh mean, my god, the log uh, lady who filmed her scenes yeah, literally I mean, right, right before gonna, she died. Oh my god, like when she gives her goodbye yeah. to Hawk, I was I was torn up. And it because that that scene is I mean you know that that Lynch and the actress are very aware of it working on this level that there's a real meta ness to that sequence of like this is really this this real woman Catherine Coulson saying goodbye I mean this is she knew that she was near the end of her life when she's yeah. filming this and it's so it's so meaningful on that level and and even um, you know uh, 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 I'm forgetting now I'm I'm blanking on his name I'm going to be really embarrassed but uh dot the the dot oh, God, what is Oh, uh, 3D glasses uh, Dr. guy? Dr. Jacoby. Yeah, Dr. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Jacoby. Dr. Jacoby. It's like seeing him and Nadine again and their storyline. like And 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 Big Ed yeah. and his storyline finally getting to work out and be with, uh, you know, the the, the, the the woman for the diner. And yeah. uh, I'm blanking on some of these names. I'm embarrassed. But, but, no, um, don't be embarrassed because I, I couldn't tell you. So meaning. So, yeah, so meaningful uh, and so, so special to be able to go back and like revisit a lot of that. Uh, you know, again, and, and like that's that's totally a layer to this show. Norma, yes, Ed and Norma is the woman from the dime. Boom, boom. And we got another question here. Although I, I, I gotta say, uh, Brenda also pointed out as an unrelated music major comment, David Lynch found the only acceptable use of Pendre- uh, Pendrecki's Threnody of the Victims of Hiroshima outside of a concert hall. He made me kind of like it, and I'm a little mad about it. And I just wanted to give a shout out to her for that like deep cut music major because I I know that yeah, the song the, it's the 
It's the opening of, of episode eight when we're pushing into the black and white image of the <laughs> nuclear test. That's where that song plays in. Fucking nuts. Fucking nuts. That, that episode was crazy. Yeah. Uh, so we also have Caitlin Conway watching in 2020. Were there parts of it that didn't seem to age well? And I think she's talking more about the original show, and especially since you just rewatched it. Right. Um, if there, What were some things that wouldn't uh, fly with me sure. today? And also, she wants to know, how did Dale transmit his messages to Diane in his 1990s tape recorder? <laughs> I'm asking the real questions here, she says. Yeah. I mean, I think that during the that, – that, the, I'll do the Diane one first. Okay. Uh, I think during the – when I first watched the show, I kind of assumed that, you know, because Cooper's got a lot of, like, techniques, like thinking techniques or mental focus techniques, like the Buddhists do this. And, no. like, he's got all – I sort of thought Diane was, like – an imaginary figure that he was recording. And these were really, this was his way of getting all of his thoughts out was pretending. Yeah. Uh, but then of course the return confirms <laughs> that nope, Laura Dern was getting these tapes all the time and putting the whole case together back at the FBI. So which is that theory. Another great thing about the return is how many, David Lynch alums get to come back for it. It, it kind of becomes like oh, the yeah. ultimate, like so David fun. Lynch project, you know? And new faces, Naomi, you know, like obviously Naomi Watts goes back, but then you get Tim Roth and yep. Jennifer Jason Lee. You know, I don't think I've done Lynch stuff for. Uh, the, to go back to the the inappropriate, like I don't I don't think there's a lot that like would get the show canceled today. Maybe David Duchovny, uh, you know, playing playing a I, I don't know with, with a transgender character or even yeah. just like a, a a gender non-binary character. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that, like you probably would have gotten a trans actor today to yeah. play that role, uh, which would probably be better. But I don't think, having said that, I don't think the treatment of that character is like super disrespectful. Like there are there are characters who make that an issue, but the heroes of the show always come to Duchovny's character's defense. Like yeah. they don't let Denise get picked on. Um, so I think that's that's nice. Uh, you know, and it, it doesn't hold up perfectly because it was the 90s, but I don't think there's a ton that is like, in appropes for modern TV, yeah. but I do think, as we were talking about, there there are there's a string of episodes in the second season where Lynch had left and Frost was like trying to generate some new plot lines. There's some stuff I think that works pretty well about season two. Like I think Windham Earl is a cool character, yeah. and I like the payoff from him, and I think that's good. But yeah, like James going on his motorcycle road trip. I don't know if you've even seen these episodes. No, I don't think like, I have. He befriends a married woman, and she's like, come back to my house and fix my husband's cars. And then they sort of start an affair, but the husband is jealous. And it's this really soap opera kind of goofy plot that doesn't really go anywhere. And like stuff like that just doesn't hold up, and we don't – it doesn't – connect to anything else in the Twin Peaks world yeah. in an interesting way. So it does feel like kind of a kind of a side story. And like Heather Graham too, who pops up again in in Firewalk with me, Annie, and she sort of mentioned throughout like we never get like a great payoff for her and all the time we spent with her. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't it doesn't all connect. It's like eighty five percent of it connects, and then there's some other stuff that just kind of like loose threads. Yeah, in season I, two especially. The the one thing that surprises me again, just going back to the reveal of Laura Palmer and what ha it's her cousin, right? It's the same actress, but it's like her cousin that looks just Maddie. like her. Yes, yeah, her cousin Maddie, and that's what I was saying about duality. Like that was always baked into Twin Peaks from the very beginning. Yeah, the idea of like two halves of one whole, and just I, I'm stunned that like a show in the just a, a basic network show in the 90s was it maybe maybe it was like abstract enough that like the studio didn't realize like we're we're talking about like 
incest rape and murder like like this is like this is no joke like this is this is deep dark stuff uh and maybe there's just enough zany stuff around that they're like ah whatever you know what i mean like ah it doesn't matter i do but it's like i think that's the secret i think that if this was a traditional show that was like this is what it's about it's about a a dad who raped his daughter and how she was traumatized and her death and like a demon did it like you couldn't just make that show in the 90s and put it on abc in primetime and even if you did it wouldn't have become a pop culture phenomenon that gets followed up i think you had to and that's that's what lynch is doing so well is he's taking genre expectations and then he's he's kind of layering that material in but he's also satisfying you're like i want to watch a mystery about a guy investigating a murder you know like yeah. you still get those genre trying i got like it's like kind of this dark comedy about this weird small town where everybody's a weirdo you know like and i think you have to kind of dress it up with that to make it palatable enough to watch yeah yeah and it's just it, it- yeah, and I agree with you. Going back to the point about like what we might have gotten with season three, like it would be cool to see something with all these actors in, in the prime is the wrong way to say because everybody does such great work in the return. But I think you're right with this. There's still that idea of playing within the network standard, and there's something great about like literally just letting David Lynch cut loose. And it's like it's 2017 or Showtime. Yeah, uh, nobody's watching Showtime. Listen, just do whatever the fuck yeah. you want. And let's see if we can get a, a few extra subscriber dollars in in here. Right, you know exactly. I mean? I am tempted to say that a season three might have baked in some of the ideas he was playing with in, in Firewalk with me, like yeah. that he came back to, especially in the return. Like, obviously, he was really interested in Harry Dean Stanton and this fat trout trailer park, which <laughs> becomes a very important location. Yeah. Like, obviously, Garmin Bosia and the place above the convenience store yeah. and like that level of the mystery and like the Philip Jeffries Judy stuff probably would have come into play on some level maybe even the stuff with chris isaac and Kiefer sutherland yeah oh my god yeah like the Teresa banks investigation and and all of that sort of stuff like i think a lot of that probably would have found its way into twin peaks eventually even if it had stayed on tv yeah and i think the other thing that is interesting too because i know when he made firewalk with me i think he was talking about like doing like a trilogy or something and it's like nah man just was it just it just wasn't meant to be we do have one comment uh question in the chat do you think from danny m do you think they made firewalk with me so important to the the, to the return to kind of stick it to those who didn't like it uh and, and to kind of troll them I don't know. I mean, I like if it was any other filmmaker, I'd be like, probably. But yeah. I just I don't think David Lynch's brain even were like, I don't even know. I, I don't I don't even get a good sense for how plugged in he is to which stuff that he makes people love and <laughs> what stuff gets overlooked. Like he has the ability to like lose himself for months on like a 10 minute Netflix short about a singing monkey. Yep. Like I just don't think he's really he's like, I'm going to put this out in the world. And then like what you do with it is what you do with it. I'm going to go do transcendental meditation. Like, I just don't think I don't see him like reading reviews and being like, Oh, these guys didn't like twin peaks. I'm going to show them. Like (laughs) it just, maybe, I don't know him personally, but I don't, I have trouble seeing him that way. I think he just, he likes firewalk with me. He had already had all those ideas and he put them in a movie. So now he's like, those are the ones he wants to pick up and move forward with, you know? Yep. Yeah, I, that's I, my that's my gut sense. I, I think you're right too, because I can't help but think he's been doing uh, recently on YouTube. He's been doing weather reports, and right. uh, and it's like it's not like he's like, you know. I wonder if this, this is a thing that people really want to see me do. It's like he feels like talking about the weather. You yeah, know? and it's normally like he'll be like the one that stuck with me is he's like it's sunny outside, and then he talked about a dream about how he was a World War II soldier uh, that was dying, and his his feeling of that. It's like yeah, that's that's just how that dude's brain works. That's just how. 
Like he's not. It's not like a bit. Like this is just who he is. Yeah. There's a there's a great uh, there's a great documentary. Uh, what's it called? David Lynch. Uh, the art the art life uh, from 2016, where they just they just hang out with him and interview him and ask him questions and look at like drawings and paintings and other stuff that he's worked on over the years. And it's really just this. It's just like trying to get a sense for like how the dude's mind works and like how he does all of this stuff. And yeah, like it's really hard to, it would be really hard to watch that and then imagine that he's the kind of guy that's like reading what IndieWire had to say about Firewalk with me or whatever. Like, I just don't, I feel like on some fundamental level, he just doesn't really care that much about people analyzing the work. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you're right. I will say, I think we've done good work here because Wendy S in this uh, chat says, all right, you guys have thoroughly convinced me to give it a watch. And I do recommend it. The the first two seasons are on Netflix and I think other streaming platforms, uh, you can do what I did and get- Season one of Twin Peaks- I was just saying, season one of Twin Peaks, I think is like one of the best seasons of TV ever. Definitely watch it. Yeah, 100%. And I will say, if you do get discouraged with season two, do watch that last episode because it is it is legitimately something else. Like, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like it, even in The Return. Yeah. And then you're primed for just go right into Firewalk with me and then The Return. And yeah. then you're all set. Yeah, go for it. If you're, if you're digging that, go for it. Um, and I do te- recommend checking out his other stuff. Like, hey, new Dune movie's coming out. Go check out his Dune. There's a, there's a long opening crawl. There's a very long opening crawl to Dune it's, and trying to explain I mean, that it's world. A, it's you can see why audiences at that time who were like looking for another Star Wars and thought this was going to be the next big space epic would be like, what the hell is this? It's bizarre. It's very like metaphysical. Sting is in metal underwear. Yes, he is. Uh, it's weird, but yeah, I mean, but like, and it it, it is not a. It is certainly not a direct or, or or like scene by scene adaptation of the book. It's a very it's a weird departure. It does its own stuff. It's not a retelling of what Frank Herbert was doing. But um I still think it's fun. I really I really enjoy it. It's weird. It feels David Lynchy while also fe- feeling utterly unlike anything else he's ever done. Yeah. Um I, I like it. I, I still I would like to see out. before Dune, uh I, I don't know if he was approached or if George Lucas was talking about having him do Return of the Jedi, and it's like that yeah. would that would have been something else. That would have been something to but see. Again, I do feel like he could turn some of this stuff off and like just make a fantasy epic. Like I, I think he could. Like I'd love to see what David Lynch's Dagobah would look like or yes. whatever. And like maybe it would be cool. Like you don't know. Like it might be good. Well, and with uh, all the with all the force yeah. stuff. Well, I honestly I can't imagine it not being good, especially with all the force. I I think that would have been not to dunk on Return of the Jedi. I think that might have been more interesting. It definitely different than the movie we got. And I still kind of hope that like Disney pulls out some of those like Star Wars bucks and like does a weird anthology for Disney Plus where they give like a 20 to 30 minute episode to like a David Lynch or like a Jim Jarmusch or like a Wes Anderson and just be like, hey, what's yeah, your take I on mean, Star Wars? Well, I mean, like if, if the Mandalorian, I think, proves anything to us, it's like, yeah, you, you don't have to stick quite so closely to... And then what happened to the Skywalkers? And mm-hmm. then what happened to Han Solo? Like we're so we're so trapped in that mm-hmm. of like, could we cover this three years where we don't know what Mace Windu was doing? And it's like, 
the Mandalorian is like it, it interacts with the rest of the world. But like you could do an episode where it's just like these guys are going on a space heist in the Star Wars universe. And it's like, OK, I'm in. I don't need yeah. I don't need there to be Jedi there. It doesn't need to be like the fate of the galaxy is at stake. It can just be a heist. And that's fun enough. And like you would think that with that, they would now go. You could spider around in a million directions. You know? I think what we're both trying to say is let David Lynch direct an episode of The Mandalorian. Oh my God, just, for sure. Just let it happen. Let it happen. Why universe. not, right? Like at this point, yeah. All right. I think that's obviously we could talk about Twin Peaks forever because there's so much to unpack, but I, I, we've definitely hit our lot of time. But like before we go, remind the kids at home uh, where they can find you and what you're up to. All the plugs. Let's do all the plugs. We'll do them all again. We'll do them all uh, again. Well, so mainly. Uh, Find me on Twitter at L-O-N-S. That's my Twitter account. I share everything I'm doing there. So if you only want to do one response to all of these plugs, that is the one because that's where I'll tell you all of the other stuff if you're not sick of me yet. But I would say Tuesdays, 7 p.m., twitch.tv slash chuckleface. That's where Hal Rudnick and myself are doing our new uh, podcast, chat show, Binge Boys, where we talk streaming TV, and Sundays, 9 p.m., uh, the Video Drew channel on YouTube. I think it's just youtube.com slash Video Drew 1, I believe. Uh, go there. The, that's where we do live in the dark. Uh, my good friend Video Drew hosts uh, in character as her weird otherworldly self, and we get great guests often from the movie Trivia Schmodown, but not exclusively. This week is Kale Anonymous from Machinima, so you never know. You never know. Be anything. Those are my plugs. Go check all that out. You can follow me at DJ Talks Trash. You can follow the show at Only Stupid Answers everywhere that matters, but you're going to want to yank the vowels out of stupid on Twitter. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. I really appreciate it. Lon, thank you so much for coming here and talking Twin Peaks oh, with me. My pleasure. I will come back and talk Twin Peaks anytime you like. Uh, and everybody, stay tuned for more podcasts every Monday. Right now, we're doing reviews for Lovecraft Country and the Boys at YouTube.com slash Only Stupid Answers. So check that out. And we'll see you next week. Bye bye.